Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And we are so excited to be here with Christine O'Brien, who is the author of the critically acclaimed memoir, Crave. The book has been praised as being emotionally fraught, compelling, and thoroughly engaging, which I will say is all true, while also earning praise from the New York Times for its ability to capture her father's creative brilliance and her mother's pioneering spirit with loving generosity. Uh, Chris earned a BA in English at UC Berkeley and holds a double MFA in fiction and nonfiction from St. Mary's. Her essay, Cul-de-sac, received honorable mention in the Glimmer Train 2014 Short Story Award for New Writers, and her essays and short stories have appeared in the Seneca Review and the Slush Pile magazine. This January, she appeared on the Dr. Oz Show, and she is the host of the upcoming podcast, Good Morning Writing. Ooh, that's Good very exciting. Good morning, writing. <laughs> and um, she's also a longtime, I will add, stalwart member of Book Writing World. So I'm super, super excited to talk to her about this fabulous book. But first... Well, I just want to say, okay. even if she hadn't been a stalwart member yes. of the that we would still be very excited. Yes, I'm just right. I'm just even more just putting it out there because I already know she's fabulous. Yeah, so if, you know that's you just get to be more excited. Yeah. So, um, but first, Angie, what are you working on? Well, right now I'm still working on a series of short videos and um, a lot of stuff from clients who I just heard back from just before this podcast. So I'm about to have more information about what I'm working on <laughs> after this. All right. Well, I uh, sent off my draft to my agent on Monday, and she called me on Tuesday with notes, which was, you know, really exciting in one way because it's what you always want. <laughs> and yet now it's back in my court. So anyway, so we're bouncing back and forth, but I think we're really, really close. But, you know, I think but we've also talked about saying that just jinxes it. So who knows? I'm back in it. Um, yeah. So that's that's. Yeah. So, Chris, what are you working on right now? Um, I am right now working on a second memoir, hopefully, about <laughs> I, I found diaries. Is that the title of it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called The Gods of Point Lookout right now. And um, I found diaries after I finished Crave. I found diaries uh, that, you know, I first started writing in them when I was nine. There are three of three little teeny ugly books. And. <laughs> But the last one was my last summer in Point Lookout, my our, my beloved beach town, before we moved to New York, uh, where did we move to, before we left Long Island for California. Right. And in fact, yeah. that, there's a little bit of Point Lookout in the book, and I've, I've just personally heard people like specifically wanting more of that. Yeah, luckily, people have um, said they love that part of the book, and I did, I wrote, the, it, it, it's the middle of Crave um, the, that summer. And it's I it's covered very quickly it, from memory, you know, from memory. And when I found the diaries, I realized there's a story and it's it has a different arc, a different trajectory, different themes and limiting beliefs than the than Crave. So it just seemed like a worthwhile endeavor to jump in and see what I could get out of it, create yeah. from from these diaries. And so far, it's thanks to Angie's book in a year and Elizabeth's mm -hmm. craft class. Um, you know, it seems like I'm getting somewhere, which is kind of fun. Yay. 
That's so exciting. Yes. What? It seems like I'm getting somewhere. I mean, confidence is again just. The thing about, well, the thing about, yes. And, you know, since you and I talked the other day, Angie, I, I had something happen and it's just been this journey, you know, since Crave came out and. I had there, it's a roller, it's a like waves and troughs. And I've been mm. in a trough for a while. And, um, I just, my, uh, the East Bay review and the San Jose Mercury times came out yesterday with a piece on grave and me. And, um, the, the, um, the online version came out yesterday and the hard copy will come out in the newspaper on Sunday. And it was really, really nice. It was just great coverage and really positive positive. And um, they, you know, the reporter said what I wanted her to say and left out what I preferred her to leave <laughs> out. And and I got really good. All of a sudden, I heard from the publicist, who I have the, the number, the head publicist at St. Martin's Press, and and the agent, really enthusiastic. Yay. Plus, there, were, there was a plug for my second book in there, which, um, which was all good. And I just felt, I just felt like I sort of turned a corner, which was, which was nice. But, These um, kinds yeah. of things help, right? <laughs> yeah, it just it's it does because in some way you feel like you're throwing things out into a vacuum. Um, even though like it's the book's getting a lot of acclaim, uh, you know, it's being picked up by by various presses and the, you know the New York Times, which was amazing, and you know Dr. Oz and all that. <sighs> um, there's still this strange kind of silence that you're still the same person doing the same thing. And you wonder how what's what's changing at at a, at the same time. You wonder, and it's for me. I think I really want this second book. Feels you know the first book was chronological, and I, I they what they wanted from me was beginning to end, and um, the second book feels like I'm having to forge it and shape it and throw more creative juices into it. Mm. So um, when I feel like I'm the book, first book is acting as a platform that's going to allow the second book, then I feel really ha- happy. There's just something about wanting to get the second book done that seems to be driving all my feelings about even the first book. Yeah, well, that makes sense because that's mm-hmm. where your creative energy is. Yeah, that's okay. right. Like you say, where we're always more invested in what we're doing at this moment. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was actually shaping this memoir. You said that they sort of wanted beginning a beginning to end but actually, I mean, and of course it does that. So that's kind of the time frame, I guess. Well, not end, but, you know, through your, your life to your end of your parents' life, lives. But the book has such a, a kind of novelistic feeling. Mm-hmm. Is that good? Yay. Or even, um, or even like, an indie, like an indie film or something. Like, you know, <laughs> like I was, I was actually looking up, I was trying to remember this particular film. That I, and I can't remember the, but like just kind of quirky family films, you know, not not for families, but about families. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess I wanted to ask you about um, shaping the memoir and kind of what went into that, you know, into figuring out, I don't know, what scenes you remembered and how, which scenes belonged. Did you know, did you use theme? Did you know, how did you kind of figure out what to keep and how to. And what to throw away? And what keep? How what to throw away? And how to bring what bring what you keep into like full scene? That's a lot of questions. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> how did you do it? <laughs> Should I plug you you both again? Because <laughs> um, book in a year, book in a year 
was really helpful because I applied, I, you know, was encouraged to apply general story structure to memoir, which I think is really interesting because to bring these two seemingly opposite things, um, you know, make up story structure to a life that's obviously not made up. And that, um, it was interesting because I feel that out in the publishing world, people don't know that that's what they're looking for. But if, if a manuscript has it, then it's, um, it seems complete, I guess, in a way that it might not otherwise. So that helped me in terms of, you know, figuring out the seven steps and, um, midpoint and aquan decision and low point all of those i felt like pinned down so in a supplying moments for each of those that's you know what we did and what we do in the in class is figuring out what what's what moments of your life fit to each of the steps i think also i i, I realized that i kind of wing it like you know teaching starts next week and there's this rush of like risk when you step into a classroom and it's the first day especially and there's 20 people staring at you and I realized um I there's something exhilarating even and terrifying at the same time about that risk and I just this week because I I was thinking about not teaching and um and then I ended up saying yes and I will go ahead but I realized that writing for me has that same exhilarated risk when Mm. you're fresh to a scene and you haven't tested it out yet and you're just kind of winging it and it's the same exact kind of exhilaration terror and to answer that question like I think I just um jump in and think well what scene should I write now that might work here and and Mm. just put it down and all the while thinking if you know and it's like put it down the first round and then you, you go back. Well, mm. maybe this actually might work. Right. And then you, but there's what I, what I've, so there's kind of a winging it like, well, let me just try this and then see if it fits. And, um, I'm finding, you know, how I write so carefully and slowly, yes. even in that same. So, but I'm, so I'm finding that for the most part, the scenes that I think I'm just winging it seem to just work. Uh, they'll work somewhere and they tend to just kind of work in the order that I'm putting them down for whatever mm. reason. Mm. So it's just sort of a, a jumping in and trying, taking the risk. And what I've noticed, one amazing thing about having this book done is that there was so much wrestling going on always for me with, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing something else? Both in the larger question of writing versus not writing and then and then the, the more specific question of this scene versus another scene and now when I see the feedback to my book I'm it's a instead of it being so much terror of like risk feeling like you're jumping off a cliff every time I sit down to write a scene or a sentence now it's um feels like well I, I mean I just know whatever I'm doing must be working so it's like this trusting mm. in the process um mm. for for the first time trusting in the process in a really to a large extent but so the answer to the question is both knowing I think the and you know the the beauty of book in a year is is providing an understanding of story structure that I believe in and that I 
I see everywhere. I just went to see Free Solo, which is amazing mm. movie. Oh my God. And it's, it's that's the one about the climber, right? Yeah. Oh. And it's crazy because I see, you see story structure. I mean, the, the low point is so clear and the final battle is so clear. Mm. And, um, it, you know, it's the story structure can be applied to this documentary. It's, it's all there. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I love, again, this idea. So it's a combination of knowing the structures there but then also feeling like freer, more and more free all the time to kind of just risk, mm. risk it at the same time. And craft class <laughs> helps, helps with that risking because we have to risk over and over again in that, mm. in class, you know? So it, I, isn't that interesting? It's both like this, this <laughs> umbrella of structure, but then the risk at the same time. Oh. Ah. the risk of the unknown at the same time i like it and i yeah i really like that you said that too because you know the forms are out there absolutely like obviously you know i'm invested in that perspective um and unless you have the ability to sort of take a risk and uh do the work perfectionism is so easy to get into when you do have a sense of what the forms are am i doing this right rather than uh, I'm going to use the form as a way to create an imperfect mode right now. And then I'm going to go make another imperfect one, but it'll be slightly more perfect. Right. And so like using the structure for you, for your ends rather than shaping your ends to the structure. Right. Kind of thing. Totally. Wait, because you... like you said, go structure, ahead. it's just one version of structure. There's, there's a lot of, of modes, you know, there's a lot of, modules that a person can be attracted mm. to and, and follow and, and feel right. And uh, right now, this model is very helpful to me. I'm so glad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and you did a book proposal for, for Crave. Do you think you'll do a book proposal for the second book? I hope. God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that was really fun, huh? <laughs> well, my I, the agent told me to stop writing the book and to to write the proposal, and I listened to her, and it was two years of mm. of that from mm. the day she said start to the day she said okay, it's ready was two solid years, wow. and that was because I didn't have the structure in place. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I at that time that I was changing the structure before I had a chance to really think it through. So I basically I was applying it on the go. I was applying seven steps on the go, creating chapter summaries. I have a, um, you know, I have a, she sent me a template for for a nonfiction proposal that we followed. Mm -hmm. And it required summaries for things that I hadn't worked on or thought through. So Mm -hmm. I was agonizingly thinking them through as I went. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Yeah, it, but it you know it was great because by the time I was done, I had another version of of an outline for the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's but, fantastic. But, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I I'm I'm not sure how it's going to work for the second book. I think probably it'll be a little different given the response your book has gotten. So I just one hopes right that right. the accolades yeah. and all of that will add up to a add slightly up. different yeah. sell for book yeah. two. <laughs> It has been amazing. It has been amazing to see that um, people, you know, people are reading the book quickly and loving it. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's amazing. Well, that's an interesting Very- question. So now you're getting these accolades. How is it to sit with that part? 
Well, I, yeah, I think um, it's so interesting because I write slowly and I write so carefully. And so for me, it's such a, it's a slow motion process of putting a scene down. And um, so it's been really interesting to see that people are reading it kind of with the opposite of experience. Mm. Like they can't put it down and they say it's a cliffhanger and they're just like reading so quickly what I have been lay, I lay down agonizingly. Mm. And I don't think that's a coincidence exactly. Like I think yeah, that so. all that work sort of paid off and, uh, and you know, it is funny that the, that the sort of compliment to careful, beautiful writing is quick reading. <laughs> I know. I spent 10 years on this novel and you read it in eight <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, and then, and then that's a whole other thing. I mean, we, we could do that in class. Elizabeth probably is what makes, you know, I have to, I have to actually figure out what it is that has created this kind of page turner. Right. <laughs> I don't, I thought there were times, I mean, I don't want to be too negative in your podcast, but y'all know that how I second guess myself and everything. But I, when the book came out, I thought, Oh, how are these people going to wade through my childhood? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and yeah. And I thought it's just so dense and so Mm -hmm. slow. And, um, so really what needs to happen is you need to kind of figure out how to read your own work with the same excitement, which, which nobody does. Nobody can do nobody that. I mean, that's do, the problem. Like, I mean, with, you know, with this novel, I've just read it so many times, I can hardly see straight. And, uh, and, and the truth is like with your, with a memoir, it's like, you're already starting with material you've gone over and over in your head, you know, so much. Um, yeah. And then it's, yeah. And it's always that thing of like, well, who am I to, you know, especially this, these are my diary entries. So <sighs> I'm putting down like, you know, sentences that I wrote when I was 16 is just, there's just so much hubris, like, Oh, someone's going to want to read this. But of course that that's there, like as a writer. But that's so can, important. Yeah. I mean, that the voice that we need to hear right now, like the adolescent girl or whatever is like, yeah. is not a voice that is like full of hubris and taking up so much room in this world that we just don't know yeah. what to do. So I think that's, you know, you have to do that for her. Right. You know, and, and she's fighting through all of that. You know, three brothers. I write. I just wrote a, the realization that she's. You know, the brothers were the heirs. My, they were the mm. heirs to the name, and I mm. could never be legitimate, but I could try to be. Um, God, what's the word I use? Not legitimate, but uh, have some kind of value that it, I can't think of the word, but I had to create a value because I didn't, I wasn't born into it. Mm. And then the diaries themselves sabotage that value in my family. Cause they were seen as emotional. And so it's, um, and yet by the end of, of my reading them, I realized it's the opposite there. They, I was doing this thing that was so valuable, mm. you know, even if they couldn't see yeah. and, um, so yeah, I agree with you. I love I love that perspective. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to let just to touch a little bit on you know the the parts of the book. I mean, so so a lot of the book is like reading a novel, and you're in this character and in her. And I think a lot of what works about it is it's so vivid and you know um, visual and filmic and sensate mm. uh, in all senses, and you know not just visual. And then. But the, and then it has the emotional drive and, and it has sometimes it's almost like suspenseful, like what, you know, kind of this, I don't know, the, that close attention can have a, an element of, mm-hmm. of suspense. Um, and then there's also like 
you know, Marlo Thomas and, and, you know, like famous people that live upstairs and downstairs and are on movie sets and all of that. And how did how did you kind of conceive of that part, like sort of how it weaves through this otherwise kind of also very personal story? Um, Well, I love what you say about the um, feeling novelistic, because that's my the the kind of writing that thrills me the most right now is is writing that just straddles or or rides that edge between um, nonfiction and fiction. So um, like all the prohibitions to that we grow up thinking about nonfiction has to be this, this and this, but then to have it be suspenseful and imagistic and um, if it reads like a novel, I mean, that's, that's, it just seems so like such an exciting time where that's quote allowed now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and it's really, I love hearing that you felt that way about, about my book. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think those, the quote famous people become characters, uh, in just become, I mean, they, they're, they're, they hold a theme, you know, my parents, mm-hmm really believed there was a, an elitism I mean, literally in my family if you weren't in the movie business you nobody counted my my they were both my parents were so we're just you know patronizing to the rest of the world mm. it was like the patience that you give a child if you <laughs> if you weren't you know you you'd get the attention because they'd be kind and they considered themselves mm. generous and they were but there was just this feeling of um, moving in this realm, which you were, you were moving in a realm that was rarefied. So, yeah. um, and as a little kid growing up in that, it brought, it raised so many questions. And, you know, I have that moment where I say, I never asked for an autograph because it would mean someone's better than other, mm. someone else. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I, somehow I came to feel the opposite of, of what I was raised with, which was the equality that of everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, um, I feel that maybe that's why those names, I, I just feel like they're kind of like weaving it. You're just folding it all in because the, the characters act thematically, mm-hmm. not just as a, like a name, a celebrity name. There's, they're part of the overall theme of, of me wanting you know, me wrestling with this message that I'm getting growing up that I, I reject ultimately, hopefully. I mean, that's, yeah, that's going to be even, I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring that out more in the second book because mm-hmm. I'm not sure I completely follow through with it in the first one, but yeah, that's an interesting question. Well, cool. Well, there's just so, so much to talk about. So, um, but it is time for steal this amateur oh. poets borrow professional, professional poets poet steal. steal. Uh, said T.S. Eliot. And, and others. And others. <laughs> and we have to say that every time. Yes. Like it's a new thing. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> Ritual is good. Um, so what, and this is to all of us, what have you come across in your readings and wanderings that you would like to take and make your own? Do you want to start, Chris? Or? You, you, you all start. Okay. I will say, so I'm listening to an audiobook of The Wife Between Us. <laughs> which is like yet another kind of unreliable narrator woman who is like drugged or drinking or whatever. There's just, this is like this moment. I'm thinking a lot about this moment in time and this kind of book. And my book has kind of an unreliable narrator with memory problems. So it, it's it's sort of comps to some of these, but I also 
Um, I hope it's maybe responding. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, but I will say that part of me is like, I already know what's going to happen. And then I'm, but then I kind of keep compulsively listening kind of to find out if I'm right or not. So I'm interested in how a book hooks you with that seesaw of like what, what's going to happen and what do I think I know and what don't I know? And, you know, even against your better judgment, how it can hook you. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and? Um, it, go ahead. I didn't know if you went to. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, I actually just came back from my tennis lesson and my tennis coach was talking about how part of what he does in the lesson is try to create false stress so that you are more comfortable with it in the actual game. And so I don't exactly know how this falls out with writing, except to say that there are so many places where really the difference between, you know, getting done and not getting done is completely psychological. So how are the way, what are the ways in which we can practice feeling the stress and um, do it anyway? Yeah, I and, love that. And in a low stress situation. Yeah, reading it out loud and deadlines. And yeah, great. Chris, how about you? Well, those are both so awesome. Um, I, I, I'm trying to think about the stress. I think teaching helps create stress. <laughs> and, um, it's, the live it, performance. It, yeah, totally. And then in some ways just having the – freedom to make a mistake on on the page without anyone knowing mm. is is um is a freedom and and a relief and getting to take the time whatever time you need nobody's watching over your shoulder to um do it your way um also interestingly the hook i love what you said i was just watching a tv starting tim's out of town so i started a I get to do whatever i want and i was not that i don't anyway but i i was watching the show that i've wanted to see about a woman and um, last night and exactly what that happened to me where I already knew it was going to happen. It's just the first episode and I, I couldn't keep watching it. I just, mm. I, it's, it's acclaimed it's winning awards mm. and maybe I have to sit through it, but <sighs> I just felt like I know what they're building towards mm-hmm. and I'm not, you're not surprising me enough here that I, I there's not, it's not holding me. Yeah. So, um, and then I switched to Victoria, which is um, a PBS. About yes, the, we yeah. know. Uh, and that was holding me, even though we sort of know what happens. But <laughs> that's a great question. Like, why? What What does hold you? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And then um, uh, for me, the, the free solo thing was amazing. Just watching the larger picture, mm-hmm. first of all, of coming into our lives with an intention, with this push to write. Because he had this push to climb and to free solo El Capitan, which had never been done. And mm-hmm. it was just a feat beyond explanation, frankly. And But to, to see the parallels between writers, mm-hmm. because I think we all have this push that we can't deny. Maybe we spend a lot of our lives trying, mm-hmm. but it, it wins out in the end. And um, just, you know, editing is like its own thing. And then I, there's nothing like, going to a, a blank the next thing you have to do that you haven't done yet it's probably like 
making that next step on on El Capitan. You you the it, the next scene starts and you haven't written it yet. And I'm I'm just coming into awareness of the exhilarated kind of risk of that mm. moment. And that's what I you know that feeling. You can see when a writer has done writing for that day. There's like this cleaned out kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. You can see it on their face. Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't come from editing. It comes from that moment. I think of facing that empty moment and seeing that you just, then you proceed, you're, you're a fearless, you know, you're, you're leading the way. And, um, and so that, and then lastly, the amazing thing, one of the amazing things about my book being published is that all these people that when we moved to California, I, an iron curtain dropped and I, literally never thought I would see these people again. My parents were so isolationist that we had no contact with anyone. And the, the book and the, the combination of that and social media has brought these people from my past into my present, which is full circle. And um, and one of them is an author, Alan Kurzweil, and he wrote a book called Whipping Boy. And he was my ninth grade friend when I moved to Dalton. And I just read his book uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's great. And it's also, I'm taking something from it. And what I'm taking is he's, he's basically writing about when he was 12 in a boarding school in Switzerland, he was bullied. And now he starts in his fifties. He wants to go back and find actually forties. It's, I think it takes him a decade. He wants to track down this, this guy, this kid who bullied him. And in the process just gets more and more assistance turns out where he where it leads him is is where he never expected um and it's like i i really admire just the step-by-step methodical but funny and intelligent but you can see just a calm you know Mm -hmm. i have this thing even tim used to tease me when i i I played baseball and i or softball and i'd step up to the plate and i would have to hit a home run every single time (laughs) and you know you strike out a lot if you're just trying to hit a home run and if you just calm down and slow down and just meet the bat with the ball calmly you know usually that's the better hit and that's what the whipping boy is it's an it's an example of someone who's just calmly following the steps of revealing there's reveals there's twists but he's just He's not trying so hard. He's just letting the story unfold. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm imitating right now. Oh, I love Beautiful. that. All right, Angie, you've got to go pick up the kids. So um, <laughs> uh, so look for the book. It's called Crave by Christine O'Brien. Your website is christinesherrickobrien.com. Um, anywhere else you want people to look for you? That's it right now. That's awesome. Um, All the info's there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's, thank it's you very just much. such a you, wonderful book. And um, yeah, I'm, I think you also shared a lot that will really be inspiring for people. I oh, love great. The, yeah. Awesome. So, um, okay, thank you very much. Right. Lovely talking to you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye.